everybody, Sam Mellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star, and I am grateful for you listening to the 32nd episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. The goal is always to be worth your time. This week, we're going to do that with some thoughts about what might be on the other side of all this, extended segment of questions, and some reporting perspectives on high schools holding winter sports right now. The Star is running a special promotion for the Sports Pass, a dollar a month for three months for all of our sports coverage, including more original Chiefs content than you can find anywhere else. You can find that on our website or just reach out to me, Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever, and, and I'll send you the link. Okay, the, the next two segments of the show are jam-packed, so I'm going to try and keep the lead here as lean as possible. The awesomely encouraging news uh, this week about a COVID vaccine progress and then, you know, spending the week doing a lot of reporting and thinking about high school winter sports, it just put my brain like in this specific place. And, you know, like right now things just really suck, right? Um, sorry to say that way, but... But yeah, I mean, cases are surging, schools either remain closed or considering closing, holidays are coming up, and and that's a rough time for a lot of people, even in the best of years. Uh, We're going to get into the difficulties of making decisions about what to do and and what not to do soon. So, uh, But right now, I wanted to talk about something else kind of entirely, about like what the other side is going to be like. And, you know, specifically, like, what are you the most looking forward to when we have the vaccine and can move around with with more freedom and and less worry you know me like the stuff i'm looking forward to is it pretty simple like i can't wait to just like get a babysitter dressed up a little bit you know i have like a three-hour dinner and drinks thing with my wife and then come back home without any worry you know what i mean like um I, i can't wait to find a nice day in the spring uh, and go to a Royals game like two hours early, pick up pizza or sandwiches or something on the way, eat and play catch in the parking lot with my wife and kids until it's time to go in the game. Can't wait for the kids to be able to have their friends over without like a second thought of, you know, sort of who's in the pod and who's not. And, you know, just have them trade football cards or play monster trucks or even have a slumber party or something. High school games. I can't wait. We, we started to do that a little bit before everything shut down and the kids love that stuff. I, I like that they've got these positive examples of, of older kids, the noises and the, the, the bands, the crowds, everything else they love. And this one's hitting me like this month, especially, right? Like Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. And, and I just can't wait for uh, my mother-in-law. She, she throws this huge Thanksgiving every year um, until now. And, you know, it's, it's a bunch of people who maybe don't have that big Thanksgiving of their own to go to. Uh, they come over and, and make it a big party for everybody. It's, it's fantastic. You know, I, I, look, I, I think it's important to think about this kind of stuff, like the good stuff. You know, we're all hit in the face every day with like the risks and everything else. But um, this can't go on forever. And I think it's important to not just remember there's like a light on the other side of this, but to also think about what that'll be like, how you're going to enjoy it. Um, so anyway, that's where my brain is right now anyway. Okay, uh, before we move on to the rest of the show, uh, this podcast is now free, but that does not mean I'm not going to ask you one more time to join us behind the paywall. Uh, We work hard to bring you information and perspectives you can't get in other places. We have the most journalists working the Chiefs beat, the most combined experience around the team, the most perspectives. Please help support us by giving the Sports Pass a try. Again, you can join for a dollar a month for the first three months or $30 for a year. You can find those links online or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever, and and I'll send them along. Okay, quick break, and then we'll be back with some questions. If you want to participate next week's show, please call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Put the number in your phone. Call anytime, 816-234-4365. Okay, quick break, then we're back with those questions. Uh, The first about college basketball. 
Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, with the Chiefs on by this week, I'd like you to look at uh, the state of the program and coach relationships at each of our college basketball schools. Uh, what do you make of the rumblings that Bill Self and Jeff Long aren't best buds these days? And with the investigation going on at Kansas and Bill Self's contract being up after a couple of years and hasn't been renewed, what's the situation there? Bruce Weber, two seasons removed from a share of the league title. The K-State finished last last season, and it seems like he's only ever one more year away from people throwing him onto the hot seat in Manhattan. And Kanza Martin has never really seemed to get Missouri off the ground. almost feels like apathy is setting in over there. So how would you rate the current state of things in Lawrence, Manhattan, and Columbia? Thanks for an answer, and uh, thanks for all you do. Be safe. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, you know, look, there, there's nothing really new with the KU investigation, but obviously the future of that program kind of, you know, hangs in the balance in a lot of ways. Uh, my view of that relationship uh, between Bill Self and Jeff Long, I just, I can't imagine that Self or anyone else with basketball like that Jeff Long's contract essentially rewards him if basketball gets whacked. I mean, that's pretty straightforward, right? Like at that point, I think it would be natural to look at everything he does through that prism. Um, but I also don't know how much that really matters. And and look, I say that knowing the history of KU basketball coaches and ADs, right? But, um, you know, Long is not self's boss, like in practical terms. So if, if there's tension there, I think Long would be smart enough to stay out of the way, you know, unless or until something very major comes from the NCAA and he's got booster support to make a move. You know, Bruce Weber is so interesting to me. You know, until in, in Chris Baird and, and Texas Tech a couple of years ago, Weber was the only coach in the Big 12 other than self to win a regular season championship. And he's done it twice. And, you know, there's constantly questions about whether K-State could do better. And what's even wilder than all that is that it's obvious to everyone why those questions exist, right? Um, you know, K-State was awful last year, and they'll probably be bad again this year. You know, Weber doesn't really recruit high, high-end talent, right? So his margins are pretty small. My sense, uh, and that's what that is, this is my sense, um, but it's just, I, I think Gene Taylor really wants to make it work with Weber, but those results are gonna need to come. Mizzou, Conzo Martin is really starting to come out of sort of like the scholarship phase, right? Uh, you know, he's had some brutal luck. Um, I think we can all see that, you know, with injuries and everything else, but this is year four now, and he is two years in a row not qualifying for the NCAA tournament. You know, I don't think anyone believes that this is make or break for him. And, you know, and that's true for a lot of reasons. Mizzou would need to come up with, I think, $6 million to fire him after the season. And, you know, this is obviously one of the worst times in history to come up with that kind of money to fire a college coach. But, you know, this season also figures to have disruptions and, you know, a thousand factors that will make it difficult to make those sorts of judgments. The, the recruiting class for next year's freshman class is ranked well, um, but that's based more on depth than, than top-end talent. Um, you know, they're all important, but I, I kind of see this as a particularly important season for Conzo. Um, He's got his top seven scores back. And, you know, one of the charges for the Mizzou basketball coach is always going to be to build fan engagement. And, you know, like that's probably not fair right now, but he can sure as heck build some credibility right now with this team and earn some trust from Jim Stark. Okay, let's do some Royals. Hey, Sam. My name is Jeff calling from Voorhees, New Jersey. Diehard uh, Royals fan out on the East Coast. Your thoughts, uh, please, on the potential for us to sign a veteran starting pitcher such as Lester, John Lester, or Adam Wainwright, perhaps, a reunion with Mike Matheny. Your thoughts on the potential and the benefits and the drawbacks of such a move? Thanks. 
Have a good one. Stay safe out there. Wear a mask, pal. And I love your writing. See ya. I do think they'll sign someone, um, probably more than one person, but, um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be like someone, you know, like Wainwright or, or Lester, like you mentioned. You know, I guess, look, never say never. Um, and, you know, specifically with Wainwright, I know the Royals would love to have him. He, he is one of those guys that, you know, baseball people will bring up his name unprompted you know, as an example of, of doing everything right. But, you know, the truth is those guys are likely to generate interest from teams expected to be better than the Royals in 2021. You know, the, the Braves have been linked to Wainwright. The Mets could be interested in Lester. You know, the, the Royals profile figures to be like more with guys looking for a particular role. And, you know, Matt Shoemaker is a guy, he's been mentioned with the Royals a lot. And, and that makes a lot of sense. Like his profile is, is kind of what I think the Royals are going to be shopping for. He's got a solid, you know, track record, unspectacular, but solid. Uh, he's probably looking to reestablish himself as a starter after missing so much time with injuries. He, he's only made 18 starts in the last three seasons and, and 32 in the last four. Uh, you know, so someone like that, I think, would, would make a lot of sense for what the Royals are trying to do. I'd, I'd also expect them, you're, you're, you're asking about pitchers, but I, I'm expecting them to try to lengthen the lineup a little bit, you know, while also holding spots for in-house guys they want to see more of. And when I say that, I'm, I'm thinking largely of, of Nicky Lopez and Franchi Cordero. You know, this is a lot of guesswork, though, um, you know, because the Royals front office, like all front office, um, you know, they know there's a lot of factors out of their control this offseason. This is going to be a brutal market for free agents. So, you know, guys who might otherwise be pursued by big money franchises, maybe they fall down the financial order a bit there. Maybe the Royals can find an opportunity that way. It's going to be really interesting to watch. OK, let's get to Frank. Hi, Sam. This is Frank from Pugno. And I was just wondering, with the Masters going on this weekend, what is a event that you have not covered that you would love to cover in person? Thank you. You do a great job. Bye. Uh, well, you you nailed it, actually. Um, I've been really lucky here. I've been to, you know, Super Bowls and Final Fours and World Series and Olympics and on and on. But uh, never the Masters. And uh, I'm not the biggest golf guy in the world, uh, but I do appreciate the sport. And I think it's in a really good place at the moment, a really interesting place with some of the some of the stars that, at the top of that sport. You know, there's probably not a place in the world other than like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's apartment that I've seen more on TV, but haven't been to in person um, than Augusta National. And it seems like that, you know, just being there, walking around there. Um, I know it's not springtime. It's going to look a little different, but I, I feel like walking around there would just be a little like out of body, you know. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff I'd love to see, but not necessarily as a sports writer, you know, like uh, a Japanese baseball game. I would love that English Premier League match, you know, bullfighting in Spain. Uh, I'd love to go see like a truly like high level street basketball game, you know, something like Rucker Park, something like that. Um, you know, Dominican winter baseball game. You know, the common thread here I'm realizing now as I'm talking about this, it's, it's just an event that holds this like intense meaning to the people who are there. Like I, it, I, wouldn't I don't need to be to share that intense interest necessarily, but just I, I've that feeling um, that you get when when you're in a crowd like that. Um, it's just magic, you know. That feeling like gives me life. Um, that's such a big part of why a lot of us fall in sports or fall in love with sports in the first place. You know what I mean? Okay, uh, let's hear from Rob. Sam, hey, this is Rob from Tennessee. As you might remember, I'm a big A team follower. I enjoy every broadcast and everything you guys do. One of the funnier uh, things that I remember you guys getting into was uh, reminiscing on Patrick Mahomes' first NFL debut in Denver, Denver and how you and Therese basically fell out of your seats. I would love 
for you to talk about that year and how, especially this non-COVID year, how you got to see him firsthand, you heard the rumors, talked about how great he was, the anticipation. You kind of talked about it within that year through the A-team, and then you obviously got to see it firsthand and your reaction, and more importantly, what I've heard is the embarrassment that you had as a professional from basically falling out of your seats, literally. So, anyway, if you have a chance, I'd love to hear the full story, kind of a recap of all that coming to a head. Thanks. Love what you do. Man, um, so many memories. Uh, I remember being convinced for damn near a year that the Chiefs were going to take a quarterback in that draft. You know, like all the stars aligned from the the prospects to, you know, Alex Smith's contract to, you know, what really seemed like a glass ceiling on what the Chiefs could do uh, without a star. I remember writing and thinking about this obsessively, 100% convinced, and then waking up the day of the draft wondering if I'd just been duped, right? Uh, I, I remember the night of the draft and I'm not going to say his name, but I, I was sitting next to this reporter who doubles as a huge Chiefs fan. And he was just so confused, like almost like sad that, you know, his team drafted a guy that it did not plan on playing right away and, and who would replace Alex Smith. Um, I remember hearing the stories in the locker room that first year about the wild stuff that Mahomes was doing, you know, no looks, throws on the run, arm strength, all that stuff. You know, I'd been pretty convinced early on about this guy. And, and I have to admit that some of that came from, you know, one more person I'm not going to name, but this guy, you know, worked inside the, the organization and he would send me some practice clips of some of the stuff Mahomes did. And it was like brain bending, you know, um, and I guess for the most part, it's not really stuff that we haven't seen in games by now. But at that time, like before Mahomes, it was basically like unfathomable, you know, like balls going through windows that I couldn't see, you know, like these ridiculous downfield throws against his body's momentum, you know, all that stuff. I remember that game in Denver, of course, that you're, that you're mentioning. And, and, you know, his very first pass, like the Demarcus Robinson pass was crazy, but Mahomes' very first pass that day, that was that, that laser down the seam to Demetrius Harris, like right away. That, that, I mean, that's a throw that no Chiefs quarterback had ever been capable of making. And, you know, of course, the, the throw to Robinson, like Therese had been hearing, you know, look, Therese had been hearing and seeing the same stuff that I had, probably more. But there's this natural skepticism, you know what I mean, that, that a lot of us reporters can build up about whether it can really work in real life, you know, um, this like backyard stuff. But like, man, that threw that throw to, to Robinson, that blew the skepticism like just to bits. And it like instantly convinced both of us that it was that it was all real. It, and you're right, like it was completely unprofessional and I have no regrets. <laughs> But, um, you know, one of the other clues um, about a player like that, that that you can look for is like how their teammates react. And, you know, this might seem like a small thing, but to me, it spoke volumes like you might remember a preseason game, Mahomes' rookie year against the Titans. Like he scrambles out, buys time and launches this ball 50, 60 yards down down the right sideline. And I think the receiver was was Robinson on that one, too. But that part doesn't matter. This ball was a missile and, and it was placed perfectly and it happened to be against the chief sideline and where, where the catch was made and so like the camera when they were showing that in the background you could see guys like justin houston marcus peters eric barry those guys are just losing their brains cheering jumping up and down and when you have the best players on the team reacting like that then you know you've got something real you know something special and um, I, I say this a lot and i don't know if people believe me but i promise you it's the truth um I swear to god like i 
expected Mahomes to be this good. I, I thought that this could happen. I just thought it might take a few years to build up. You know, not that he'd be a year one MVP, maybe a year four MVP or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is one of the most incredible things that I think I'll ever see. Any of us will ever see. So, um, okay, let's finish up the questions, but we'll, we'll go a little bit off sports on this one. Hey, Sam. My name is Jack. I'm calling from enemy territory, Denver, Colorado. Um, my question for you is, what is your top four? Uh, it's a question that I like to ask people when I meet them because I feel like you can learn a lot about uh, somebody. But what I mean by that is top four, like experiences, people, things. Um, and so like an example of a couple of mine are uh, waking up to a fresh blanket of snow or a rainy day with no plans, uh, nothing to do. Um, so feel free to get creative. Uh, excited to hear your answer. Uh, I've never heard this question before, and uh, now I feel a bit like Jack and I are on a first date. Um, that's something I did not expect to say on a podcast. But uh, anyway, uh, I have thought through this a little bit, and if I'm understanding the the sort of the parameters here, um, you know, here goes like number one, uh, my wife and kids. And I'd look, maybe that sounds like what I'm sp- supposed to say, but you know, anything after this like just isn't close to one. You know, I, I take pride in being like conscientious and hardworking and all those things, but I understand like I've been lucky beyond what I've deserved in a lot of ways. Lucky breaks, uh, decisions made for me that put me in a better life than I expected. And, you know, they are, you know, my wife and the our two boys, that's the biggest part of that. You know, we met, my wife and I met when we were in seventh grade. I can't even begin to know the ways that she's helped me, you know, been an influence in, in who I am, um, how I see the world. And our kids, man, like, you know, they're six and four. And, you know, of course, there there's moments of like frustration and worry or whatever, but watching them learn and, and see the world, it is just an indescribable joy. Honestly, I, I could talk about them forever, but let's move on. Uh, number two, my friends, um, my oldest friends in the world are spread around the country and, you know, even in different parts of the world. I, I suppose we have like a fairly stereotypical, like general relationship, you know, like fantasy football, old stories, inside jokes. But, you know, we've also cried together, um, helped each other through some rough times. Uh, one of my favorite weeks of the year, one time every summer um, in July, we get together in, in a different spot. Um, you know, it just rotates. One person gets to choose where we go. Uh, it's supposed to be Florida this year, like deep sea fishing. But, you know, obviously that was that was canceled. God, I hope we can get back to that next summer. Um, number three, I guess this is something else that got canceled this year, actually. Uh, fishing trip to Minnesota around Memorial Day. Like my father-in-law got me into it, um, you know, just after I married his daughter. And this feels weird now. But, you know, at the time I had fished like twice in my life and I was not interested. I only went I felt like I had to, you know, because he was my wife's dad. But um, now it's one of my favorite things, the the pace, the jokes, outdoors, um, all of it. And uh, number four is my job. It's not perfect. Uh, there are no perfect jobs, but I also know that this is what I wanted to do my whole life. And, you know, I have a chance to do it. And I like it as much as I thought I would, even if it's for very different reasons than I expected. And I, I know, I understand, and I appreciate how rare that is. It's, it's the weirdest thing. Like I, I mentioned earlier about how my wife and I met in seventh grade. At that point, if someone asked, I think I would have said I wanted to be a sports columnist and she would have said she wanted to be an interior designer. And, you know, now here we are. Uh, it's pretty wild. But like I said, luckier than I deserve. Okay, uh, that's it for the questions this week. This was, if I can say this, um, I believe the best, 
batch of questions we've ever had. And uh, that's why I included a few more. And we have a bunch that we couldn't get to, but might save for later. So look, I appreciate everybody who called in. Uh, we'll do it again next week um, ahead of the, the Raiders revenge game. So if you have something you think we should talk about, you know, whether it's the Chiefs or anything else, uh, please let me know. 816-234-4365. Um, almost literally any question. Put the number in your phone, call anytime. 816 234 four three six five all right one more break and then we will be back with something that hits you know this intersection between professional and personal Okay, uh, let's close this out strong. Uh, Sarah Ritter has a great piece on uh, KansasCity.com about high school winter sports. Um, Check it out either on the website or, um, you know, Google Sarah Ritter, Kansas City High School's OK Winter Sports. Sarah Ritter, Kansas City High School's OK Winter Sports. It's a great piece. And it's a heck of a topic. And it it hit me in a way that maybe want to write more about it in a column that's also now on the website. The initial reaction... um, or at least my initial reaction is that this is crazy, right? Like football and soccer and other outdoor fall sports are one thing, but, you know, now we're going to do indoor sports, um, you know, with the kind of like regular close contact involved with basketball and wrestling. Um, and, and we're doing it as cases are spiking here and so many other places like, you know, come on, what are we doing? But like most things we're thinking about, um, the answer isn't that simple. You might remember a column I did a few months back on on high school football going this fall. And, you know, back then the first person I thought to call was Kelly Donahoe, the the new Rockhurst High football coach. He's as thoughtful of a man as you'd care to admit. And, uh, you know, he's a cancer survivor. So, you know, I think he's he looks at this from a pretty unique place. So, um, look, you might have heard that Rockhurst season got shut down uh, just before the playoffs because of a positive test. So, you know, Kelly was the first person I wanted to call about this now uh, he's lived through what we're talking about like they played despite any hesitations that they may have carried and and then they couldn't see the season through because the thing that many told them might happen ended up happening so look i, I just asked him straight up like was it worth it um you know you you couldn't finish the season the thing people were afraid of happened so um do you think about it differently now yeah i, I feel the same way sam i feel like I feel like as devastated as our kids were, those eight weeks together playing plus the preseason, the relationships, the great moments, you can never, ever take that away from us. You know what I mean? And we got that opportunity, and we'll forever cherish that. And and I would say the same thing for basketball and wrestling, man. Just give them a chance. Whatever whatever protocols you have to put in place, um, just try everything you can because I just feel like it's so worth it for the kids. So that's a football coach's view. Um, but in a lot of ways, those football coaches had it easy. Um, they had an entire summer. They could get their kids like relatively isolated. And then obviously their sport is being played outdoors. Um, and at a time when we had a lot fewer cases than we do now. Uh, basketball, wrestling, swimming, uh, these present bigger challenges. These kids have been in school, some of them playing on other teams. Cases are higher. Uh, we all have like some varying level of like COVID fatigue, right? We're just sick of it and want it all to be like it was. So I, I call Chris Neff. Um, he's the head boys basketball coach at Staley High and they had to shut down after the second day of practice. Uh, one of the kids felt achy after practice. His mom took him for a test and it came back positive. And if you just think about all the things that had to happen there, um, right? Like the kid was achy after the second day of practice. Like, you know, couldn't that have been considered normal and not a symptom? 
Uh, but he thought about it. And, and more than that, he said something. A lot of kids wouldn't want to go get tested or, you know, wouldn't want to be the one to shut a program down, whatever. But he said something and, you know, good for him. And then after all that, his mom had to take him, take it in that serious way and, and go get the test. And that's the way it should go, obviously. But you and I both know that's not the way it's always going to go. Um, there's kids practicing right now. I mean, I think we can say this definitively. There's there's kids practicing right now who have COVID um, and either don't feel anything or just assume it's normal fatigue or whatever. Um, maybe they just don't want to say anything. So how do you navigate all this, right? Like, Anyway, um, Chris and I ended up talking about a lot of things, like from the, the protocols they have in place at practice to the quarantine, meaning that he can't be certain about the rest of the season, uh, the pressure high school sports feel to play because they know clubs and private organizations are lurking and ready to go if high schools decide they can't. So um, anyway, here's Chris. I think it's the best way to say it is we're going to manage our circumstances. You know, yeah. we're just, we've been dealt a hand of, something that we've never had to deal with before and like we always do in this country and in our school systems and you know in raising children we're, we're going to do the best with what we have to go on and you know people that are in the know that are making these decisions have felt good enough at the local level in these school buildings to you know to move forward and pursue some sort of season I mentioned to Chris, like, these struggles my wife and I have about these decisions. Um, it's a diff different set of circumstances. Obviously, our kids are a lot younger, um, you know, so the decisions about, like, what friends they can play with, you know, whether to put our older son in a basketball league with his friends, like, stuff like that. You know, Chris personally is, is living with all this stuff, too. Not just coaching his team, but he has a daughter who plays in college, uh, a son who's in high school, and, and then a three-year-old who's into gymnastics. So, you know, all these decisions are related in some ways, but also personal. And if we're honest, I don't think anybody feels like 100% confident about any specific choice, you know? We're just trying to do the best that we can. Um, and uh, Chris, Chris talked about that here. Yeah, I, I, I'm 100% with you in that what you're saying is, more so now than ever, we have to all make our own decisions for our own families. And yeah. everyone should respect that. Yeah. And anyone that doesn't is really missing the boat on that. And, you know, we should have been doing this all along. You know, we all feel pressure at times to make certain decisions for our kids athletically and academically and, you know, just in their, in their growth and their journey. And, you know, now we've been throwing another curveball another variable and we got to manage that as well and I, I don't think anybody can scrutinize anyone's situ anyone's uh, decision with their family in, in that regard there's so many layers to this right like look uh two more perspectives i wanted to share with you uh one is dan clemens he is the superintendent of the north kansas city schools and the president of the missouri state high school activities association board of directors um i asked him if he had any reservations about holding sports right now and he didn't answer that specific point directly which i think is fair to note uh but he did speak honestly here about the challenges you certainly got to weigh it all um, together. You know, we've, we've been working with Gary Zobrock at Clay County Health Department, particularly Liberty Public Schools in, in North Kansas City and Smithville, to try to, you know, we kind of focused on um, particip or, uh, audience, um, fans, and, and trying to limit that and be able to social distance because we're going to be inside. But as we continue to see the uptick, I, I suspect there will be more restrictions 
um, provided by that group. But you're right. Then you have to look at the social emotional well-being of the kids. You have to look at what are our resources going to be for the ability to test and contact trace and, and some of those pieces as, as well. Um, so, you know, it's a balance. Just like everything right now is such a balance. Um, if we do our jobs well in terms of the community, we have a better chance of, of making this happen for kids. Right now, it's not, it's not going very well for us. One more perspective. Uh, this is Zach Benny, uh, epidemiologist from Emory University. Zach has what I think is a really good look at this stuff. He has about numbers and data and like containing spread, and he's always had this particular focus on sports. Um, his message has been pretty consistent about like risk reward balance. And it seems like, and I guess this is true in a lot of places in the country, right? But it seems like it's either this side of like, never leave your house or it's like, you know, screw, screw mass, like don't be a wimp. Um, but there's a smarter conversation to be had, you know, a more useful one. And that involves risk and reward. If you're going to do something that might expose you or others, like make sure it's worth it. Right. You know, and, and that makes all of these things really personal, every one of these decisions. So, you know, with Zach, like the scientist part of him does not think that we should be having winter sports, it, you know, just personally, he, he said he's not going to go see his family this Thanksgiving because he doesn't want to add risk. Uh, but he's also aware of how difficult these things can be. All right, here's Zach. People are being left on their own to make these decisions, and some people are making very good decisions. Some people are making very reckless decisions, and some people are being probably more cautious than they need to be because it's all been muddled and politicized, and we're not able to, to have the conversations that allow us to balance all aspects of health. That's another important thing. Oftentimes, public health folks, Lately, an epidemiologist have been accused of, um, of just focusing on COVID-19. But mental health is health. Physical health is health. Getting exercise is health. These are all health. These are all yeah. dimensions that we need to consider. So, yeah. yes, it, it is a question of values, and I can't put a number on how valuable it would be for some kid in Kansas to play basketball. Yeah. But I, I would just ask for everybody to try to maintain perspective on that front and realize that also their, their value isn't the only value that's out there. Yeah, yeah. Right? In the same way that I may undervalue it relative to your kid, you and your kid may overvalue it relative to me or relative to a nurse or relative to uh, somebody who's in a, a, a long-term care facility totally. there. Okay? So everybody needs to recognize that everybody else is going to come to different conclusions. I think sometimes that piece of it is missing on both ends. So anyway, like that's what makes a lot of sense to me. It, it is personal responsibility, but it's also like personal responsibility with the understanding that your decisions affect friends and family and strangers. Uh, you know, we all have this like collective responsibility for each other. Uh, I, I know we're living in a time like the country is as divided as it's been in decades. And, you know, a lot of people don't care or don't want to think about that. But, you know, the way this thing has spread has made it pretty clear that, you know, whether we like it or not, we are all in this together. Um, so I guess where I end up is here. Like, I, I'm thrilled that high school kids are able to play the sports that mean so much to them. Uh, build memories, life skills, relationships, all those things. Um, the argument for structure is a good one to me. You know, that the kids are better for a thousand reasons being involved than not. 
Uh, I just hope that the people in charge can do as much as they can to minimize potential exposures because these activities are important. You know, school is critical. And if we don't do this, and like th this is all of us, right? Uh, you know, whether we're students or parents or completely uninvolved with schools, but we all need to do a better job than we've been doing if we want these things to still be available. So anyway, that, that's the show for this week. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope we're worth your time. And if I can impose once more, I hope we're worth subscribing to, rating and reviewing. It really helps us get the word out. Uh, thanks to Randy Mason, Savannah Smith, and Derek Donovan for putting this together. Thanks to everybody I talked to this week for their time. Thanks to everyone who called in, even those we couldn't get to. And the biggest thanks to you for listening. Uh, let's do it again next week. Have a good weekend. Be kind. Be kind.